Ripping Bonnets. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's installment of Ripping Bonnets. Today, we will be covering our first book by a new author, Beverly Lewis. It's entitled The Shunning. I'm. Nope. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> Not. God damn it. Who, who am I? 24601. I'm Jessica. Okay. Let me start over. Okay, go for it. I kind of like keeping that in. That makes me laugh every hard yeah. every time. <laughs> Eventually, we'll just drop all pretense and be like, fuck it. You're Jessica. I'm Leanne. And I'm Kristen. Oh, the shunning bite. What is this Beverly Lewis, not Beverly Cleary? Beverly, not Beverly Lewis. Fucking Cleary. <laughs> it's definitely not Beverly Cleary. <laughs> Don't make that mistake. Kristen will kill you. Ooh, who wants to do 60-second summary? I'm telling you right now, I'm not up for it this week. I, I, I did it last time. All right, it's me. I think it's Leanne's turn. This is rough because it's been a while since I read it. Who was, can someone time me? I'm going to forget everyone's names. Just describe them then. Yeah, just, it doesn't matter. It's just a Yoder. They're all Yoders. Okay, whatever you're ready. Okay, um, here I go. All right, so this is The Shunning. In The Shunning, um, main character Katie Lapp is, um, discovers a dark secret about herself. And that secret is that she was adopted um, as a child. This is hard for her because... Um, she has always felt in her bones that she is not Amish and, in fact, be- belongs to the fancy English world um, because a love of pop music. Oh, shit. What? And so, um, okay, so she has to get married to the bishop who's old and a widower. She runs away on her wedding day. Um, her family finds this unforgivable. Um, she's in love with somebody who's supposed to be dead who drowned at sea. Um, it turns out that he's not dead and drowned at sea, and then she goes fancy at the end. Also, there's a whole subplot with her um, best friend in there um, wanting to ha- fuck her fiance say kind of something like that did i get it you're uh 47 seconds birth mother looking for her and you've got 15 seconds yeah who's also dying remember uh wait who's dying the the former team mom (laughs) oh Oh, her bio mom is looking for her mom is looking for her because she's dying of cancer her mom gave her up for adoption which makes no sense because it turns out her mom is insanely wealthy This book was a real doozy, you it guys. It was. At first it started out and I was very bored. I was used to Wanda just like diving right in. Talking about root beer. Yeah, talking about root beer, talking about food, which um, this also talks a shit ton about mm, food. They're obsessed that. with chow chow, which by the way is disgusting. Chow chow. What would chow chow refresh us for this? It's like a bean. The best way you could describe it is kind of like a bean salad. I don't, I've never like eaten it because it just looks so gross let me see if i can wanda uh, beverly definitely came and ate chow chow once because she does mention that one a lot she does yeah it's kind of like wanda's root beer yeah i also noticed that uh beverly loves emphasizing that the amish take their coffee black i mean she just repeatedly fucking goes on and on about how they take their coffee black i take my coffee black not fucking amish well i think that i think that like a latte would definitely be too fancy for the that would be oh yeah it's definitely way too fancy well, that was like, it was almost like that was her purpose, was being like, they're so strange and different from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, black coffee. When in fact, most people that I know drink their coffee black. I don't know how. Well, I'm still a child, so. The Amish are also clearly drink milk, so it's not Yes, insane. they have a lot of it. I'm sorry, Chow Chow is. I'm sorry, I, I guess I was mistaken. Chow Chow, according to Wikipedia, is more like a relish. Gross. Also still gross. According to Wikipedia, ingredients vary considerably depending on whether it is northern, primarily Pennsylvania, or southern variety. Let's see. Vegetables, mainly green and red tomatoes, onions, carrots, beans. Okay, so I wasn't completely wrong. There are beans in it. Various types, uh, asparagus, cauliflower, and peas. So just whatever the fuck you'd want to put in it. And then you pickle it? Yeah. 
I guess. Oh, it's so gross. Looking at a picture of it right now, it looks like vomit. Um, <laughs> great, <laughs> great. Because we know from Beverly, or we know from Wanda, how the Amish all eat very healthy. All oh the yeah, yeah. They're all like models. So one thing that I noticed is that this author seems to have a much less sort of idealized view of the Amish. I agree. Mm. Examples. Let's say Katie Lapp's father there. I think like maybe once or twice she says something fond or nice about him, but mostly he's just kind of described as being an asshole. I couldn't tell, actually. I was really struggling with trying to figure out if she was actually trying to write him as an asshole or if she in her head was um, sort of like louding the patriarchy or like um, trying to make it seem like this is this is how the Amish are. They're so noble and set in their ways. And like in her in her head as an author, this is appropriate. Like there were um, I have all these notes that I put under the subheading, a heading called gross patriarchy. And it's <laughs> these quotes uh, where there's like this really Duggar-esque emphasis on the yes. wife's submission. Yes. So it's like a submissive wife, wife is to fear the Lord and respect her husband, which meant letting Samuel have the last word. Samuel is right. Katie's dad. Yes. Um, Katie noticed Annie, that's her sister-in-law, purposely glance at her tall, handsome husband, waiting submissively for his reply. He would make the decision for the two of them. And... I almost felt like for us reading that, we're like gross. But then I was like, I, I couldn't tell if Beverly wanted us to be like, wants her audience to be like, yeah, that's how it is. See, I actually feel like it was, a, it, she's throwing a little shade. Because there I are, think so are too. quite a few times where it's not just our main character who's dissatisfied with this. It's like implied that several other characters yes. are kind of dissatisfied with this. And they sort of acknowledge that like the whole practice of shunning is really kind of harsh. They even consider shunning the really old woman and how like, oh, yeah. like kind of nuts that is when she's like a bazillion years old. It's gonna die soon anyway. You're right. She does have a critical view of shunning. I mean, considering the character is is basically gonna be shunned at the end, right? Like we know. Right. How the this is the going. title of the book is the shunning. <laughs> the shunning. <laughs> no, Kristen, to your point, I really, I agree with you because it is a lot. Like, I also got very Duggar-esque vibes from uh, the constant mention of submissive wives. But towards the end of the book, when um, they are going to shun Katie, Samuel's wife, Rebecca, actually, like, does go at him. And I, I was kind of cheering for her in that moment. But she still, she still ended up getting fucked over anyway because they still just shun her daughter because Samuel's a dick. But um, Also, men being dicks. And I felt like this was extremely accurate to real life. Um, that her brothers are fucking useless. And you both have mm-hmm. brothers, so I feel like you would have identified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely useless. Like, I, yes, I deeply identify with this, especially um, at the beginning of the book when they're talking about um, how Rebecca had, like, worked all day to make the meal and her brothers are just fucking shoveling food into their faces and burping and how her mm-hmm. mom takes that as a compliment. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I thought about it uh, when the brothers first find Katie goes to the attic to look for some shit and she finds a beautiful satin dress with the name Catherine Mayfield stitched into it and oh this dress, dress. Which we've oh this gotta dress. go back to but it, what happens is she suddenly bursts into tears weeping over this dress even though she doesn't know what it means but her brothers come up to find her and they just kind of slowly back the fuck away yeah <laughs> they're like oh my god female emotion oh shit <laughs> they find her collapsed and weeping and they're like I'm just gonna walk back down yeah <laughs> it's like i mean i've known some emotionally stunted men in my life but i don't know any that would react like that to me just sobbing in an attic holding a strange garment they would at least like 
ask me if I was okay, even though it's obvious that she's not. Like, we would be, oh, hey, uh, you upset about something? <laughs> they also need to be told in extreme detail what to wear to a wedding, which is funny because the Amish attend weddings constantly. <laughs> and they always wear the same thing. But maybe it's maybe it's the same thing with English men where it's just like you have to hold their hand. And it's like, mm-hmm. what do you want me to do around the house? I don't know. Only the same five fucking things I always ask you to do. Men are the same no matter what cult we belong to. Yeah. <laughs> yup. Um, other commonalities or differences between Beverly and Wanda writing? Because I got a lot of these written down here. Technically, I think that Beverly is a better writer than Wanda. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the bar is very, very low. Mm-hmm. However, like her sentence structure was more complex. And I'm not going to say that like it held my attention. But like at times, I did not feel like this book was the same kind of like literary slog that some of Wanda's were. I would agree with that. I'm not sure if I would say it's better. I think it's just a different kind of bad. (laughs) (laughs) Wanda's writing is incredibly simplistic. It's true. Definitely no words above two syllables. You know, like a fourth grader could easily read her books. While you're talking, I'm going to put this to the Flesh Kincaid readability scale. But yeah. (laughs) Oh, good idea. Whereas... Beverly's books read a little bit more like a precocious eighth grader is trying to sound smart. Yeah, so better. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like she wrote with a thesaurus in yeah. hand. I thought she was more subversive, though, in like some of the stuff that she was doing and like not in a good way. You mean like not in a good way in terms of? I don't know. It was like I, I felt like I was being evangelized to a lot oh, more in this book. I noticed that. Did yeah, you notice that? Pandering. Yeah. 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 Um, she calls Mennonites Bible thumpers, which I think is really interesting. I also highlighted that, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Am I really reading this being used derogatorily? She calls them Bible thumpers, and then she has a something that I... She has a phase, a phrase where she it says, like, something about salvation coming through Jesus Christ, coming by... Not by works or man-written rules. Like, yes. she's actually criticizing the Amish in kind of right. a way that a fundamentalist reader would agree with. And then at the very end, when we find out that Laura's birth mother, who is looking for her, has recently come to Jesus herself. Oh, for the love of God. I think that we're actually going to, like, I think in the next book, we're going to learn that the Amish way is wrong and the evangelical Christian way is correct. I think you're right, yeah. Because the mom, the mom's whole deal is that she's come to Jesus later in life and now regrets her uh, giving her baby up for adoption. Can we also acknowledge that this baby was not put up for adoption? This baby- no! Stolen! Ugh. Stolen! And put into a cult. Stolen from, like, a distraught teenager. And indoctrinated into a Pennsylvania cult. Can we talk more about this, please? Please. Because this blew my mind when we found out... Oh, shit. Just (laughs) dropped the book. When we found out that... (laughs) I know. Thump, thump. Early on in the book, I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, you know, both Rebecca and uh, Catherine's mom were in the same hospital at the same time. Rebecca had a stillborn baby. And then she, like, went through the proper legal channels to adopt this other lady's baby. That's not what fucking happened. This other teeny, like, it's just so messed up to me because uh, Catherine's mother was not even from Lancaster. Her doctor just recommended she go on a trip to Lancaster for the weekend as an unwed uh, pregnant teenager to help her relax, which, by the way, is a terrible idea to go away from your hospital close to term. Weeks from giving birth. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you go down to Lancaster? It's very wholesome down there. So she goes down there happens to see some Amish people and is like, you know what I want to do with my baby? I want to give her to this cult, this cult of Pennsylvanians that 
live like they're in the 16th century. So this teenager, hours postpartum, completely like in no fit mental state to make any kind of a decision at all. Nope. Just hands her baby to a stranger in the hallway, and that stranger grabs the baby and fucking runs out the hospital front door and never looks back. And her mom lets her! What a terrible... Ugh. Also, Laura's birth mother, and this is a key plot point, is like Gilmore rich. Yes. Like, so fucking rich. So fucking rich that being a teen mom is not actually a problem. No. Yeah, they make it really clear that the wealthiness existed at the time of the birth yes. of the baby, right? That she later inherited the mansion and everything else. So, right, I and mean, the driver and the. For God's what? sake, she drives through Lancaster in a stretch limo. <laughs> I also got the impression, too, that when Lara, or no, not Lara, is her name Lara? I forget. Yeah. When Kat, yeah, okay, when Lara got pregnant, they apparently it was like the 1920s because they pulled her out of school. School for like a year <laughs> they, yeah they did what they did like back in the olden days it's like oh you're confined now and then like she was just gonna go back a year later and be like hey guys like i really enjoyed my homeschooling there's nothing different about me absolutely nothing just gave it away to an amish person for no fucking reason yeah and so they just take this baby home and pretend like it was the one that rebecca gave birth to only it wasn't because that baby is dead and then the midwife who was supposed to deliver the baby is uh, for years super salty that uh, Katie's mom went to the hospital instead of going to her. But they have to go to the hospital. We know that sometimes because you, Jessica, deliver Amish babies routinely at the hospital. Yeah, every once in a while, nature fucks up. Imagine that. And you need medical intervention to deliver, yes. The midwife would be, I presume, quite understanding about this scenario. Typically, yes, even the lay ones. But there are some wackadoodles out there, and it sounds like uh, what's what's her name? I forget. Maddie. Maddie is a wackadoodle. So midwife Maddie. Yeah, midwife Maddie. I did think it was interesting how it was kind of glossed over that her supposedly so Amish devout upstanding parents have actually like not been in a state of grace for the last 24 years because they've been lying to their entire community about the origins of their child mm-hmm. yes. and how that like is behavior that's usually kind of frowned upon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they, at the end, there's, like, a mention that they would kind of have to do a confession or whatever, but that's but much like... But, like, like oh, but we're going to do it in private. We're not going to own this. Yeah, and they did it right away. I don't think you could get away with that. Also, her biggest sin for a long time is fucking playing a guitar and humming songs. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, I, I think this is a great time to mention that this book um, also has a made-for-TV Hallmark movie. <gasps> and... That's I, playing on Tuesday. I, I watched the trailer... And the guitar is prominently featured in this trailer. It's just like this woman dressed up as an Amish woman playing guitar, humming terrible music. I I really think that we need to do a whole episode covering the movie version of this book. Is it all three books in one movie? Because is it going to spoil it for us? I don't think so. I think each each book has its own movie. Oh, wow. I'll do more investigating. Um, You could also buy it for $9 on YouTube, which seems a little steep, but um, in a a moment of weakness, I just may do it. I want to talk about the singing thing, because a big plot point of the book is Katie had a a boyfriend. Um, He was toying with becoming Mennonite. He'd been invited to some wacky Bible study group that was giving him- Where they actually read the Bible. That's a- that's a- Fucking sin. Then he went sailing for some reason, which seems weird and flimsy, and died at sea. In an Atlantic City boating accident. <laughs> Atlantic yeah. City boating accident. 
that has never even conceivably come close to happening in any Amish culture. Like, nobody has ever died in an Atlantic City boating accident that was Amish. I'd really like to fact check that statement. (laughs) (laughs) I like how it's supposed to be this big reveal at the end that he's not actually dead, which I called, I think, about 20 pages into this book. You did? That they make a big scene, like a whole big thing about them not having had a body to bury um, and his grave being empty. But there's this flashback where our main character, Katie remembers having a date with him shortly before his trip and he turns to her and he looks her in the eye and he says no matter what happens remember that i love you and i'm like okay so dude's faking his death to get out of being amish yeah totally i completely missed this i did too i'm actually a little ashamed because you called it before i had gotten too far into the book and i was like oh my god i should have seen it coming and then i kept it in my mind as i kept writing i was like oh my god i never would have gotten this holy shit i mean like it was slightly more slightly more hidden than when katie finds the dress that's labeled Catherine and goes oh who could Catherine be who could pot your name is katie you dumb fuck like come on did i not understand that katie is a common name for Catherine because they keep repeatedly emphasizing that Catherine is a very fancy name but like no one is actually named katie no yeah no. it's very rare I actually, the dress I want to talk about, because this is a really good example of how Beverly and Wanda are the same and having extremely poor writing or, like, bad plot mm-hmm. drivers, yes. which is that on, like, chapter one, Katie goes in the attic, finds this silk infant's dress with the name in it, bursts into tears, which kind of doesn't make sense because she shouldn't Mm-mm. know what it is. No. Then there's this dramatic thing where she asks her mom about it, and her mom faints and stumbles to the ground upon being asked. And then they... Especially kind of, after being described as being a very, like, stalwart, stoic woman, very yes. sturdy, but, like, oh my god, this infant dress just completely, literally knocks her over. Yeah, and then, but then, like, it's that incident is followed by her going thing, like, was it the baby dress? And what would have, what would have she been so whatever about? What possibly could it be? Then the parents, instead of addressing her question and doing, or doing anything, repeatedly move the baby dress to other locations in the house. <laughs> My favorite one was rolled up in a vase. Like, what? What? (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. Rolled up in a vase, repeatedly move it with the idea that she won't find it again, and that means she must have, will forget about finding it the first time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Also, Katie, upon finding this exactly one time, the satin dress, renames her horse uh, from Toby to Satin Boy. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. I totally missed, like, the connection with that, but that yeah, is so weird. Yeah, immediately, which I want to point out, church lady from SNL style, Satin Boy or Satan Boy? Ooh. That's what I thought. I like it. Thank you. Could it be Satan? It could be. And then, um, then there's other things where, like, Katie finds the dress again, and... The line is, this baby dress was strikingly similar to the one she had found in the attic. Because <laughs> it's the same fucking one. <laughs> Did you just all have lead poisoning? Is that, like, what's happening here? Like, it <gasps> might be. I just... Also, we had other great writing, like the phrase four-sided birdhouse, which I read many, many times <laughs> to make sure I didn't have lead poisoning. <laughs> um. Oh, can I tell you my favorite phrase in this book? Yeah. Lip kissing. They lip- use the term lip kissing. What? As opposed to what other kind of kissing? I just would like it, to know. The quote is, it was the first time she'd been lip kissed. <laughs> like, what else What else is being kissed on you? With what other body part of the other person? Like, I've never been lip kissed before. Eskimo kissing? Butterfly uh, kissing. 
lip lip kissing. kissing. It just, every time it, it got said, I was just made so uncomfortable. This is a big difference. I think, was it Kristen who pointed this out? Beverly is a much sexier writer than Wanda. She is. Yeah, there's like actual kissing. And I think there's some holding hands as well. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have that baptism scene that they can read? Oh my God. This completely undid me. I don't have it marked. Please tell me one of you does. I'm not going to lie. I jerked off of this. Oh, wow. We're looking to do it. <laughs> Can't help yourself. Glass of wine. <laughs> a little loud. In the wedding. tub. By the way, uh, Wanda, uh, she is at a fifth grade reading level in the Flesh Kincaid grade level scale. Okay. Beverly's at eighth grade. Oh, uh, yep. you guys are I right on. Exactly. What's the name of her husband to be? John. John Byler. Bishop John Byler. Mm-hmm. John Byler. I sorry, I almost said Chicken Joe, which is the name of another <laughs> minor character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her friend marries uh, the the one that she's in love her with. Cousin. Chicken, her cousin. Chicken yeah, Chicken yeah, Joe. her cousin Chicken Joe. <laughs> While we're waiting for Leanne to find the baptism scene, I, at the beginning, thought that Beverly was actually going to delve into the um, serious problems of physical abuse in the Amish community. Yeah, me too. Uh, They're at the dinner table, and uh, they're going on about her father's temper, and how they have to tread carefully, and how her daughter has averted a, you know, a very, very serious blow-up. And I was like, oh, so her dad beats them. But then she Mm. just kind of then, like, gloss past that and didn't come back to it and I was a little disappointed yeah I mean I've been listening to a podcast recently called the plain people's podcast and that shit that they talk about is disturbing it's just like so rampant like basically all Amish people beat their kids mm-hmm. it's called breaking the child and it is like oh Oof, my god it is disturbing them. yeah oh oh I think I found it oh please read it because I can't find it as for himself he'd admired Katie Lap from the day he'd become aware she'd grown into a young woman from the day she'd knelt before him there in Preacher Yoder's barn in front of all the people, as the presiding elder, it had been his duty to administer the rites as the tin cup spilled baptismal water over her head and down her Come. face. That's about Come. imagining spilling down her face. Sperm, <laughs> semen, all over it, all over it. But he'd not been prepared for the silky feel of her auburn hair beneath his fingers. <gasps> Waiting for Katie to reach marrying age had not been easy. For a man whose children needed a mother and whose own bed had long been empty, more than three years he had waited, and soon, very soon, she would belong to him. Oh my god. Wanda would never have written this. No, that is very sultry. Can This also brings up another thing that is mentioned constantly. It seems like somehow it has become um, Katie's problem that the bishop's children have no mother. Like, over and over again, it is stated to her, like, oh, but you have to marry him. Those poor kids don't have a mother. And even after she, like, leaves the bishop at the altar, um, the kids are just wailing, like, but she was going to be our mother. Like, that is the most important thing, is that finally we have a surrogate mother for all of you. Like, and we did, it, we did see that in the first in the first Bride of Lancaster County book, actually, if you yeah, guys recall, was... they wanted her to marry that guy to be a mother for his daughter. He can't do this on his own. No. That's probably actually an extremely accurate idea. It's like, I do need a new mother for these kids. I can't be doing this. Yeah. Well, and if you yeah. notice, too, I guess his oldest daughter, I think her name was Nancy, but she's really described as only being 10 or 11. But in my head, I'm like, oh, that bitch is running that house because there's no oh, way absolutely. that this man is doing it. That poor 11-year-old. Well, that piece of shit Levi wasn't helping. Listen, <sighs> stated that men don't enter the kitchen for any reason. 
whatsoever. Yeah. Well, except the one time before wedding feast, like isn't I think it was mentioned that like this is the yeah. one and only time you would find an Amish man in the kitchen, and he's probably just like, I don't know what I do with this knife. <laughs> and they chuckled at it, like this looks really silly that they're there. It's it's yes. absurd that this man is helping out. Yes, how silly, how absolutely and utterly silly. Uh, I want to talk about how they talk about genetics in this book. Oh, oh please. Yeah. I love to talk about Amish genetics. So, um, once again, we come back to maple syrup, urine disease. <laughs> so the thing is, Katie's adopted. She's white and she's described as auburn-headed. And I want to take a note here to say, not red-headed because, quote, red was for worldly English barns and highway stop signs. Stop signs. <laughs> not for the single most beautiful feature God has ever given a woman. Right. Yeah, because you can't describe it as like what it actually is. Like, oh my god, <laughs> very strange line for me. Also, do it, the Amish not paint uh, their barns um, colors? You know what? I haven't noticed, but I'm going yeah. to now. Please the let me know. I will. Yeah, we can we can reconvene next week, and I'll let you know. I, I struggle to imagine that they don't use the color red in in paint. I, but you know, I do too. But it might be like there are certain like where i live um it's actually th- these amish are considered like more quote unquote fancy these are like the fancy uh, amish like sometimes they'll have iphones and stuff oh. um but these I, amish don't know what a fucking cd player is no oh my god i know i know it plays like little records and Some then kind of music machine. comes out yeah we got this genetics sorry got got on a tangent here i'm smoking weed because it's, <laughs> it's how i get through <laughs> let me just take another puff before i talk about jeans because i've been dying to talk about this <laughs> Okay, so, oof, all right, okay, so she's got red hair, and they repeatedly, other people are repeatedly noticing that she doesn't look like anyone else, but it's not that she looks so different, it's that, A, she has red hair, and they make a case that the Amish tell each other what all of their ancestors look like, down to their eyelash, and they would know if there had ever been a redhead in the family ever despite not allowing pictures or portraits or anything because there's no fucking photos so that seems really flimsy premise then her grandmother's a twin and the surviving twin not her grandmother but her grandmother's sister is like why hadn't she inherited a single one of their closely linked twin genes that's not how it works no it's not how it works you being a twin has no this doesn't make any fucking sense no also, they seem to believe that she is genetically predisposed to enjoy music's, music and fancy clothing. Yeah. Um, and that she feels wealthy in her bones. Well, you know what? I feel wealthy in my bones, too. So I'm going to assume. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're the same kind of worldly slut that she is. I shouldn't have been born into my white trash family. I... <laughs> you should have been born as Catherine. I feel wealthy in my Personally, bones. I really, really liked how they kept emphasizing that the fact that she had been adopted must be why she doesn't love the Amish lifestyle. Not because it just sucks. Sucks. Not sucks, it's right? It's objectively a shitty way to have to live. Well, we know from that video that you said as Jessica that the mother's blood is responsible. Oh my god. For most of the genetic for most of the genetic <laughs> output of the baby. This is not related to Amish totally romance unrelated. novels at all. But if you really like going down a YouTube rabbit hole, just look up Mama Beffy's uh how to explain insemination to kids video and that's 
all I'm going to say. Only do that if you hate yourself. Oh, my God. We watched her videos for, like, two hours one morning to the point where, like, I had to go to work that night. And I only got, like, four hours of sleep because I could not stop watching this bitch. Those kids do not. She's a crazy. She's a crazy. I can see why she has to inseminate herself. I I can, too. I can, too. But, like, she named her kid Anakin. Like, what the Fuck. And she's gonna do it again. She's like her current videos are like about how she's gonna get more baby juice to yeah. to put inside of her. And this is how she describes it to her children. I'm gonna put the baby juice inside oh. of me so the fishies swim. Oh. And then a baby grows and then it comes out my popo. Popo, um, she says popo. Popo, popo, which is like probably the worst euphemism for vagina. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I hate it. One. I hate Popo. it. But yeah, seriously, look her up. She is a batshit crazy. Also, that's going to be confusing for that kid when they grow up in here. The police refer to it. <laughs> <laughs> My mommy has a popo. What is between her legs? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have a serious fact check, and I'm really proud of this. I did a lot of research for this. Okay. Yeah, this is what happens when you read the book more than like three hours before you record. Yeah, I took some time on this. I can tell. Beverly fucked up hard, and this How? is her fuck up. She mentions ever so briefly that Katie Lapp is of Swiss origin. She says they're Swiss ancestors. And I was like, mm, hold up. Let's look into what that means. The Amish are mostly Germanic, right? Yes. But yes. the original breakaway cult from which they were formed was like a Swiss German sort of situation. Okay. But the Swiss descendants of the Amish didn't move to Pennsylvania. They moved to Indiana. And they are still to this day, as far as I can tell, concentrated entirely in Indiana or other places like New- like some enclaves in like New York or something. But they are not in Pennsylvania. Here's the other thing. If you are Swiss Amish, you would not be in PA. You would have a distinct dialect from PA Dutch, which she did mm-hmm. not give her characters. Okay. They have a tradition of yodeling folk songs, oh. i.e. they would not care about singing things uh-huh. that are not from the hymn, right? They also bury their dead with wooden stakes that bear only the initials, which is not the case here. Oh, yeah. No, they talk about tombstones. Yeah. Daniels had his age on it. The name Lap, the last name, is fucking German in origin, not Swiss. It is. You're right. Um, And they do not use, the Swiss Amish do not use closed-topped buggies, which Beverly repeatedly said that they did use in this one. Wow. You're right. You did fact check the shit out of that. Why am I? I'm not your copy editor, Beverly. Why the (laughs) fuck did I look that up and not you? Come on. Mm-hmm. On a less uh, serious note, I had to do some Googling in, after that scene where Katie has her breakdown and leaves her wedding, and she takes her buggy all the way to the lar- you know, the, the town of Bird in Hand. Which- oh, yeah. It's a bustling metropolis of bustling. two roads. Yeah. Yeah, and she goes to uh, a fancy English boutique and tries on some sort of ball gown. I was thinking 80s, pro- 80s prom dress. I was, yeah, because yeah, she talked about the poofy sleeves. So, yeah. yeah, that's where I went, too. So I did some research into Bird in Hand and found out it is a town with a population of 500 people at last census. And there are absolutely no boutiques. Nope, nope, there are not. I drive through it. There is, like, a smorgasbord restaurant and, mm-hmm. like, a couple of, like, general stores and, like, maybe a fabric store. Yes, because teens, the non-Amish teens of Birdenham, they get their prom dresses from the fucking mall that's down yeah. the road, down by Millersville. Yes. I can guarantee that they do not go to the, the boutique. Absolutely not. I like that she came in dressed as an Amish person, tried on a prom dress, kind of, like... <laughs> I imagined her slow motion turning around in front of the mirror a couple times. Yeah, yeah, and then like put her Amish clothes back on. I was like, "Fuck it." When she's starting to reject being Amish, she takes her cap off and she braids her hair. And the Ooh. other Amish act like they've never seen braids before. I, 
like, which is ridiculous because yeah, but they're they're little girls. Like yes. when they have, they're little girls constantly run around with braided pigtails. Constantly, you see yeah. braids all the time. Yeah, Beverly grew up in Lancaster. <laughs> she should know better. She she should know better. My God, <laughs> people like literally, I lost it when they're like, "What are the funny bumps in your hair?" <laughs> No, I really think so, they all have lead poisoning. They do. Like, severe, severe lead poisoning. It's just all licking the paint chips off the walls of their farmhouses. Hickory Hollow, entirely lead-based paint poison situation. It's in their well water, I mean. Uh, hookworm, they probably also all have hookworm. That uh, gives you serious uh, cognitive delays. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I didn't know hookworm did that. Oh, it does. It's more of a southern thing, but it wouldn't surprise me. They walk around without shoes all the time. Their feet are, like, black. Oh, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She makes a reference to uh, pride being a deadly sin. They don't subscribe to a seven deadly sins theory. That's uh, that's some Dante's Inferno shit. That's not in the Bible. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, she doesn't even know what a light switch is. You know she doesn't know who Dante is. Yeah, I mean, pride, yes, that's a, that's that's clearly like a, a biblical yeah, sin. But... but, like, she's like, it's one of the deadly sins. And I'm like, yeah. no. No. That's not covered in the one room Amish schoolhouse, I can guarantee it. Uh, also, there is no pond water that is reflective in Lancaster. She no. frequently has her, we're looking at her reflection in a pond. I no. have never seen it's a... It's green. F- murky, dark blue. Opaque, opaque, green, brown, blue. That's it. Reflective. There's nothing reflective about it. Have either of you drank raw milk? Yes. How do you um, feel that it tastes? Oh, you um... <laughs> Full of delicious, delicious tapeworms. Mm. Yeah. No, I actually... So, did I tell you about this? I am part of an Amish farm co-op out here. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long story short, like, uh, pasteurized dairy does a number on my stomach, and so I've been searching, because you can only in Pennsylvania buy uh, raw milk and raw butter legally, or raw milk and raw cheese legally. Everything else has to be pasteurized. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this Amish farm, not far, and I'm not going to say who it is, because, like, they're totally just trying to subvert this entire right. law, where you pay, like, you pay 20 bucks a year to be part of their co-op, and then they, their claim is that they're not selling publicly, they're just passing out, you know, this stuff to their members, mm-hmm. um, and you can get raw cottage cheese raw butter raw cream like raw everything how do you feel about the taste of the raw milk um it is amazing man oh really (laughs) yeah it's so good because the character in here is described as loving the taste of raw milk and i thought i bet it doesn't actually taste that good it next time next time you're down here we'll have to go visit this farm and we'll go like it is it's so good, man. It's just so thick. And it's like, after you drink it, you're like, that stuff that they sell in the grocery store is not milk. Okay, because I love a thick, creamy, I've had a, a real thick, creamy, you know, like straight from the dairy milk, and those are good, but you know. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, like, my, my mom's family was a farming family, and so, like, um, it's not, like, a completely foreign concept to me. But I do definitely have a friend who got a tapeworm from drinking raw milk at her family's Really? Oh, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. No. No, no, no. <laughs> I have a, a medical question for you all. Uh-oh. This happens to Rebecca. She says they use an ultrasound to determine her ability to deliver naturally. That would not work. No. they Like, they can do, um, like, pelvic measurements and can be like, oh, the baby's not going to fit. Baby is going to fit. But... One thing I can tell you is that those, they end up being wildly inaccurate a lot of times Mm -hmm. because they'll be like, oh, the baby's like 10 pounds based off of ultrasound measurements. You better do a C-section because there's no way you're going to be able to push this out of you. And then they do a C-section and the baby's like seven and a half pounds. Uh, 
it made me wonder if Beverly knew what Audra sounds are actually used for, but then maybe this is a thing they used to do back when Beverly delivered her children. I mean, ultrasounds weren't even, like, in routine use until, like, the 90s, really. So. Yeah, yeah. Also, the Amish in this book, speaking of hospital things, brush off the flu as it is absolutely nothing. And I feel like for the Amish, it was it, the flu is not nothing. It should be extremely deadly. Is that true? Well, so the Amish are, like, notorious anti-vaxxers. Like, um, they will not, I would say almost universally, like, any kid that we've ever had in the hospital, like, they've almost universally, like, refused the hepatitis B vaccine. So, yeah, I mean, they should probably be more worried about communicable diseases than most people. Well, and I just imagine that the the tradition of like home care and not going to the doctor until it's an absolute emergency would mean that the flu is like maybe there's like more chances for complications from the flu. Probably, but they also since like they're kind of separate from from like the modern world, I don't think that they have as many opportunities to like encounter like flu vectors, you know what I mean? They're more likely to get tapers or their raw dairy probably. And you want to know anything about the prevalence of like hepatitis or other like preventable sort of things like that in the Amish? I don't know because the thing is, I mean, in general, even though like they're not vaccinated against a lot of things, I mean, the Amish are theoretically at lower risk for things like STDs and stuff like that. But I don't know. You got 40-year-old bishops running around, like, getting boners over 16-year-old girls they are baptizing. Exactly. Anything could happen. Well, and then, the, like, just the addiction in the community, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, meth and stuff like that. Yeah, so... yeah. Especially, like, around Rumspring, I'm sure. Yeah. So I was wondering about, like, I wonder if it's higher or not. I don't know. Somebody should do a study. You should look it up. It's hard, actually. One thing I've noticed in doing this podcast with you guys is it's really hard to look up info on the Amish and feel like I'm not getting propaganda. Yeah. Oh, yes. Very. They are a very much idealized group, especially like out here in Lancaster County, because it is, I mean, it, it seems crazy to me still, the sheer amount of bed and breakfast and hotels that I pass, but every single summer... They're all packed. You cannot find a room. And they're all out here for two things. The outlets and the Amish. And it is, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that you could possibly do out here for a tourist thing. I mean, it's a lovely place to live. But I, if I didn't live here, I would not come on vacation here. Well, wait, I was going to get my limo driver. And try- <laughs> <laughs> You're going to drive your unwed teen, teen daughter <laughs> that's pregnant down for a weekend. Oh, by the way, just give them your fucking baby. My- said I should do it yeah I would be so pissed if I were Katie Lapp and I was like wait you mean I could have like lived in this rich ass family this whole time with a mother who probably would have let me do whatever I wanted because she was 17 and instead she and instead she came to this Amish family like Jesus Christ what is the the legality of just handing off your baby completely illegal yeah yeah you're not allowed to do it and I actually had a question they mentioned her and her bishop guy going to town to get a marriage license like register their marriages legally they do yeah no they do but then how would she have done that because she didn't have like did she have a birth certificate there wouldn't have been a birth certificate right so how did she get a marriage license plot hole come on beverly i don't remember something made me google this that we were reading but i found a really fascinating story about an Amish pack for Trump. Stop it. Yeah. I didn't think they voted, though. Typically, they don't. They're trying to get them to. Yeah, so here's the deal, okay? So basically, let me find this WAPO. Oh, God damn it, WAPO. I know I'm blocking ads. <laughs> <laughs> 
son of a fucking bitch. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so basically the deal is the Amish don't don't typically vote, but they, they do sometimes. And when they vote, they guess what way they vote. Conservatively. Well, not, not for the BB killers. They love the Republicans, right? Yep. Like, obviously, there's an entire fucking situation. By the way, an Amish delegation met with Trump at the White House in December. What? No. Mm-hmm. What? How? Mm-hmm. As How? part of this I, Amish pack. So I here's fucking what, hate this world sometimes. Yeah. Okay, so the WAPO article, it's called The Amish Are the Target of a Republican Campaign um, to Help Trump. And it was basically like they, you know, Pennsylvania is a swing state. So a former Amish person who is currently some sort of Republican representative or or is a lobbyist or something like that decided he wanted to tap that community to try to get votes. Mm -hmm. And by uh, like so they went door to door. They did it and put up a bunch of signs uh, in Trump country like appealing to them. Things that would appeal to the Amish I guess in general about pro-life things or your freedom of religion or something like Mm -hmm. that. And um, they, they apparently they drummed up quite quite a bit of votes most of the amish are eligible but they don't vote right because it's considered to be worldly to con- to concern yourself with politics right. yeah that's exactly right like they don't fucking whatever and also like they don't you know they're not paying attention to it they don't have tv they don't have the internet you yeah know, whatever that kind of thing ben walters is the person who founded this pack he said he thinks there are more amish people who are willing to vote in 2018 than there were in 2016 and he thinks in 2020 there will be even more fuck yep <laughs> So he basically, he teamed up with a barn building company owner who had grown up Amish and left the faith. That's what I'm thinking mm-hmm. of. Okay. To target the Amish and the Mennonites for voting. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, so they focused on Lancaster where 10% of, uh, of the United States Amish live. And they yeah. found that 1,019 Amish people cast votes in the county in 2016. That is in contrast to the late 90s where fewer than 450 were even registered to vote. You know, now that you're reading this to me, my husband mentioned something about this to me, and I just dismissed it out of hand. I was like, no, the Amish don't vote. He's like, no, more voting. And I'm like, no, there's no way. Oh, shit. Now I have to tell Mm -hmm. him he was right. And apparently they had some, like, tactics in here of how Mm -hmm. they were going to convince people to do it. So, well, they said, basically, the Amish in general are like, we don't vote. This isn't our business. We just, like, pray for our leaders, right? But George W. Bush apparently started, uh, the Bush era is when this was changing. Because Bush junior and senior were the only two sitting presidents who came to speak to the Amish people. So the younger Bush had built up goodwill that his dad had built. He campaigned hard in PA and he would talk about identifying with rural America and being opposed to abortion and same-sex marriage. And in 2004, 1,300 Amish in Lancaster voted for him. Now, this might make you feel slightly better. Trump is nowhere near that popular. Well, yeah, because he's a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. But what they would do is the ads that they put in there would say, vote Trump with a picture of an Amish buggy, and it would say, hardworking, pro-life, family dedicated, just like you. (laughs) What? (laughs) Stop it. Just like the Amish. Trump is basically Amish. I had no idea. Now, here's the part that's going to make you mad. Oh, no. Okay, so you made me laugh. Now you're going to make me mad. I know. It's a a sad sandwich. Yeah. (laughs) On election day in 2016, the Amish PAC mobilized voters to knock on the door of every Amish family they knew in Lancaster County to offer rides to the polls. No! They hit, ready for it? They yes. hit their jackpot at an Amish wedding. Because <gasps> all Amish weddings take place on weekdays in the late fall when the harvest schedule allows for it. But how are these people registered to vote? I don't understand. Great question. Maybe they were only taking the registered ones, but there were enough there because it's a fucking wedding, right? Oh my god. God. I love this quote, by the way. 
Walters says he's confident that they, if the Amish do vote, they will vote for Trump. They can relate to a businessman who runs a family with his kids. I think they appreciate the fact that he abstains from alcohol and drugs. <laughs> but grabs women by the pussy. You know what? Maybe they can relate with him, actually. Yeah, really, mm. I mean. I feel so unsettled now. Thank you. There's a description of the author of this, who the uh, the writer went to like mm-hmm. an Amish an Amish market and yeah. described that like, you know, right next to the Amish selling stuff, there was a whole bunch of uh, stands selling Trump hats, Trump flags, Trump yep. blah, 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 oh, blah yeah. yep. Confederate flag yes. merchandise. Yes. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. I've seen all of this. There's also talk about the gender gap. 77% of the Amish who registered to vote were male in 2016. Well, of not course. not surprising. Um, and then Priscilla Stoltzfus, who works at the dairy stall on the market, said she had never thought of voting even when her spouse did because, quote, I feel like it's something the husband as a leader would do instead of myself. Women don't have opinions. Little woman brain. Your brain, your lady brain can't think about these things. No. Too busy menstruating. You're so busy, perioding yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to share that that's happening. Any other thoughts on uh, this book? Favorite quotes? The entire letter that... Uh... <laughs> Yes. That Katie's birth mother wrote to uh, her adoptive mother. So this is the letter the birth mother wrote in hoping to find to to Rebecca, the adoptive mother. Dear Rebecca, parentheses, the adoptive mother of my child. Because we forget as readers. Right. I am sorry to say that neither my mother nor I took the time to learn your last name that day in the Lancaster Hospital 22 years ago. So excited to throw their baby at her and leave. (laughs) Unfortunately, things were spinning out of my control that June 5th morning. Perhaps I seemed too young to be presenting you with my newborn daughter. And yes, I was young, irresponsible as well to have conceived the tiny life. What? The guilt is long since gone. The grief for my lost child remains forever imprinted on my heart. It is with great apprehension that I contact you in this way. My prayer is that you may understand my motive, for I must be honest with you, Rebecca. The baby girl I gave to you has been living in my heart all these years. Yes, I must speak the truth and say that I am sorry I ever gave her away. Now more than ever, because, you see, I am dying. (laughs) A number of specialists have suggested that I get my house in order, as I have only a few months to live. With this recent news, you will understand why I am desperately longing to see Catherine, if only once more, before I die. Of course, it's very possible that you and your husband did not choose to keep the name I gave my baby, and perhaps wisely so. However, I respectfully request your help in making a way for our initial meeting, my daughter's and mine. Since I am praying that you will respond favorably to my plea, I am enclosing my address. Thank you, Rebecca, for all you have done for Catherine, for the years of love you and your husband have given her. Please be assured that I have no plans to interfere in her life or yours in any mean-spirited way. My search for my child is sh- purely a love search. May the Lord bless you always. And what does Rebecca do with this letter? Fucking burns it right in the wood <laughs> stove. Heartless. Just so heartless. Heartless. She also thought about burning the, the satin gown, too. Oh, but she has too much uh, too She much couldn't. She, yeah. By the way, how many of your newborn babies leave the hospital and what is described as a satin baptismal gown is the closest? Zero. Zero. Because it's yeah. not the 1800s. <laughs> This happened literally zero times. My quote's a tie between she's up and gone for hoodled. (laughs) (laughs) And um, let your fancy side go unbridled, which I want to cross stitch. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you do like a little Amish buggy underneath it. I also, uh, at one point she's talking to the old woman, LMA, and she's just chatting her off about her all her petty ass problems to this old yeah. woman. And I LMA, love LMA, by the way. She oh, is yeah. a badass. LMA doesn't really say anything throughout this, but at the end, LMA just goes, you know what? In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And I was like, that's shade. Like, yeah. Yeah. In quietness, you should. that's where you find strength. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Shut that's the fuck up. Says. Yeah, yeah, more or less. I'm going to start saying that to people. In quietness shall be your strength. <laughs> just- the LMA also, like, tells her to fucking run at one point. Yeah. I appreciate that scene where LMA is like, listen. She's like, I wish I wasn't Amish. Yeah. You have the opportunity to go not be Amish. Go. Okay, so the next one in the series is, uh, what's it called? Is it The Confession? Yes. Ooh. Something like that. Someone want to read the summary well, for that one? Well, I, I think we need to point out that at the very end of the book, we find out that Daniel is indeed alive. And now looking for and now looking for Katie, although why he didn't just like bring her with him the first time he left, especially because like neither of them were baptized then. So they could have left without like a disastrous shunning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there is also a movie for The Confession. Oh, so it, there is a, one movie for each book in this series, as far as we can tell. Yes. Yeah. Beverly Lewis, this is really important. I, and I, I'm, there's two ways this could be pronounced, but I'm going to take a guess. The Brett wrote a book called The Brethren, won a, a 2007 Christie Award. <laughs> <laughs> it a may what? be Christie. It may be a Christie what? award. No, it has to be Christie. Christie. It's definitely a Christie. Oh my god. Just looking at a picture of Beverly, she looks like somebody that would win a Christie. She kind of looks like Wanda. They they sort of, they have the same maybe haircut. They're, maybe they're sisters. They might be. No, when you start writing Amish romance novels, then you automatically have to get that haircut. Okay, uh, here we go. From the back cover, dr- the dramatic sequel to The Shunning, Katie Lapp is torn from her close-knit playing community in the painful, painful ordeal called The Shunning. But as she strikes out alone in the strange and sometimes dangerous English world, she is unaware that the man she loves is planning to return to his Amish family and to her. Predictions? I hope that Katie and Daniel like get together and form like an indie music duo oh. that then goes on to like play at all the big music festivals and they're like fuck this Amish shit. But that's uh, not what's gonna happen. That's a, so. You have high hopes there. That's a... I know. I know. Maybe in my fanfic, I should start writing Beverly Lewis fanfic. I think that's yeah. where the next step is for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think so. Okay. All right. So good work, you guys, this week. And uh, in quietness and in confidence shall be our 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 strength. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, both of you. Yeah. <laughs> May your fancy side go unbridled. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. <laughs>